الحمد لله الحمد لله وكفى والصلاة والسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى أما بعد فأعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم يا أيها الذين آمنوا اتقوا الله حق تقاته ولا تموتن إلا وأنتم مسلمون وقال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم النظر سهم من سهم إبليس مسموم من تركها مخافتي أبدلت بها إيمانا يجد حلاوته في قلبه أو كما قال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم Most respected Allah, my kiram, brothers and elders. So Allah Ta'ala's grace and mercy, Allah Ta'ala has enabled us to gather for this short while on this night of Jumu'ah. This is a great gift and great bounty from Allah Ta'ala. And Allah Ta'ala make it a means, this little discussion, a means of benefit for me and for all of us. Among the very great personalities that have passed, one personality is by the name of Hazrat Luqman An entire surah in the Quran Sharif is named Surah Luqman. And his wisdom, the Quran Sharif, Allah Ta'ala mentions his wisdom. وَلَقَدْ آتِيْنَا لُقْمَانَ الْحِكْمَةِ that we granted Luqman hikmah, wisdom. So somebody who the Qur'an testifies to his wisdom, what must be his wisdom? <coughs> and in the Qur'an Sharif, Allah Ta'ala has preserved some of the advices that Luqman gave to his son. And besides that, he gave his son numerous advices. In one ruku of the Qur'an Sharif, Allah Ta'ala mentioned several of those advices. But apart from that, over time he gave his son numerous advices. On one occasion he said to his son that over time I have given you 4,000 advices. The lesson we learn out of this is, and in the Quran Sharif also Allah Ta'ala says, وَإِذْ قَالَ لُقْمَانُ لِبْنِي وَهُوَ يَعِذُ And Luqman said to his son, وَهُوَ يَعِذُ when he used to advise him among the many times. And on this occasion he is saying that I gave you over time 4,000 advices. What we learn from this is that advice is something that is ongoing. It's not something that's done once and done, finish, that's the end of the story. Advice is something that never finishes. The advice might be something we might have given, or might have heard a hundred times. But it might be the hundred and first time that it might really strike. It might be the thousandth time that it might strike. Our Shaykh Hazrat he mentioned that he heard this from Hazrat Mawar Shabir Ali Murhum who was the nephew of Hazrat Ali. So he heard from him directly, no second person between them. Shabir Ali he said to him, that there was one person, he advised him that look you are 
in this habit of smoking is not a good thing, so give it up. Then that person carried on, so the next time again he advised him, then he decided to start keeping count. So you see, I started keeping count of every time I advised him, I made a small little point somewhere, note somewhere that I have told him one more time. So I carried on telling him. And over time, I told him hundred times. And then it happened that I told him the hundred and first time. The nephew of Hazrat Tamir Abdullah. I told this person the hundred and first time. He doesn't know that I'm keeping count. When I told him the hundred and first time, that day he comes to me and says, Today I decided after you gave me advice that finally I've given it up. I'm never going to do this again. Now, hundred and one times it took, but finally it reached home. So, this nasihat and advice is not something that is a once off thing, especially to our children, to those who are under our care. This is an ongoing thing. And the same thing that we would have heard, we'll have to repeat. We will have to keep hearing it. We will have to keep saying it. That when something is repeated, it eventually settles in the heart. So by the repetition, in the Quran Sharif, out of the 30 paras of the Quran Sharif, in 28 paras of the Quran Sharif, Allah mentions the incidents of Musa Various places. 28 paras of the 30 paras, the Bani Israel, Musa in particular, and often the same incidents. So, what is the purpose of this? Because the Quran Sharif is not a book of stories for bedtime stories. This is Ibrat. And Nasihat is for Ibrat. Ibrat, this word Ibrat is used in Arabic, it's used in Urdu also, it's used in other languages as well. Ibrat, we understand the meaning to take a lesson. But Ibrat in its essence, what does it mean? When a person is standing on one bank of the river and now he wants to cross over, Abur, he makes Abur, he crosses over, Abara. When he has crossed over, it's now described as he has made Abur and he has taken Ibrat. In other words, this Ibrat is a person has taken Ibrat, has taken lesson. When he's moved over onto a new condition, there was a condition that he was in, he's heard some advice, he's now taken that advice and moved over to a new condition, to a better condition. Now he's taken Ibrat. Otherwise, we are where we are. So Luqman gave his son these numerous advices over time, 4,000 advices. And on one occasion he said to him that these 4,000 advices I've given you, Today I am selecting four advices for you. <coughs> Out of that four thousand coming from the heart and the tongue of a personality who the Quran Sharif describes as Hakim, person who Allah has given hikmat. So what must be the depth of those advices? And now he's selecting four, what would be the essence of these four? This would be the cream of the crop. It would be the summary of it all. There are certain things, a person acquires some of those essential things, other things always come along. Like in Jamaat, we talk about the six points. So it's not the whole of them, but a person brings this in his life, other things become very easy. All starts falling into place, if these six things come in place. 
So likewise, he's selecting these four things. You bring this four in your life, you say to your son, the rest of it will all fall into place. So these are very, very pertinent things, things that apply to me, apply to all of us, things that we should be all the time reminding ourselves of. And Alhamdulillah, these are things that we've spoken about on numerous occasions, but every time that this is discussed, there's a new benefit that I feel. So therefore, with that intention that I need the benefit more than anything. So inshallah, Allah ta'ala put khair and barakat in this for us. So Rukman sallallahu alayhi wa addressed his son on that occasion and he said to him, that the first advice, the first advice, إِذَا كُنْتَ فِي مَجَالِسِ النَّاسِ Oh my son, when you are in the gatherings of people, when you are in the gatherings of people, wherever it may be, whoever, gatherings of people, one person, two people, whether you are in your home, whether you are outside, when you are with people, فَحْفَظْ لِسَانَكْ Then look after your tongue. When you are with people, look after your tongue. Because when a person is in company, then that is when the tongue somehow starts getting into action more than it should be. All the other limbs of the body, they have a limit to which they can do something. Person is carrying something, finally his hands get tired. He's walking, finally his legs get tired. He's reading something, sometimes even his eyes get tired. He can't keep his eyes open anymore. Somehow the tongue carries on, sometimes even in a person's sleep it carries on. <laughs> Some people sleep talk as well. The tongue just doesn't tire. And in one hadith it is mentioned that every morning all the limbs plead to the tongue. Hadith Sharif, Nabi Salaam is saying, every morning all the limbs plead to the tongue. You remain straight. In istaqamta istaqamna. If you remain straight, we'll be safe. We'll remain straight also. And you get out of line, we are in trouble. The tongue normally does the damage or causes the problem. And the hands suffer the consequences, the head suffers the consequence, depending where somebody's blow might land, depending what might happen. So the, all the limbs of the body daily plead to the tongue, please, you remain in order. You remain straight. You remain straight, we are safe. You go out of line, we are in big problems. In one hadith, Nabi Sallallahu gave some detail, the lengthy hadith. So the Sahabi asked that Will we be taken to task for what we have said also? But that also happened on the day of Qiyamah. What we said, Nabi Islam said in reply to this, that will it be anything else but the harvest of people's tongues that will drop them into the fire of Jahannam? That a person with this tongue can earn great good, very, very great rewards. With the same tongue, he utters the shahadat also. With the same tongue, he says, One subhanallah, he's planted himself a tree in Jannah. With the same tongue, he says some good word which brings happiness to somebody's heart. He brings happiness to the heart of a Muslim. It's among the greatest of good, virtuous acts after the faraiz. After the faraiz, one of the greatest acts of ibadat is to bring happiness to the heart of a Muslim. Now the same tongue that can be done also. 
What a great ibadat. With this tongue, he invites somebody to good. In the hadith, Nabi Islam says that sometimes a person says something. <laughs> He says something which earns the pleasure of Allah. And he doesn't pay any attention to it. He doesn't think I said anything great. But the effects and the good that came out of that statement. He encouraged somebody. That person became encouraged to do the right things, to give up the wrong, to come start performing his salah, to uh, do other righteous actions. Uh, he gave that encouragement and went on. He doesn't even know what happened after him. But Yarfa'ullahu biha darajat. Allah Ta'ala raises his ranks tremendously as a result of that one statement he made. He doesn't even know about it. He'll see it in akhirat. And the opposite as well. Sometimes he says something that earns the displeasure of Allah. La yutilaha balat. Doesn't pay any attention to it that I did anything major. But that one word was so poisonous. That it broke hearts. It was such a word that caused a problem between husband and wife, and they finally marriage broke. It was a word, a statement that caused friction between family members, that brought a number of problems in his way. And he said that one statement that went away. He didn't even give it any second thought. Now, there was one issue that had come up so now this was a little one sitting was taking place so it was a marital issue so now the husband and wife are there and the husband's parents are there now the whole purpose of that is to try and reconcile to try and make up in the process as unfortunately it happens everybody starts saying things out of turn and things start getting out of line in that process now the husband starts off his parents are sitting there and he's saying now yes my wife said this also about my mother that about my mother all the things that his wife might have said in anger or whatever which his mother never knew about which is wrong for anybody to make any comments negative comments to make any uh, hurtful remarks this is a terrible thing but now his mother didn't know about it uh, he's sitting in a sitting to try and reconcile and he's relating all these things. Uh, what has he done now? Where there was a chance of reconciliation, his mother also probably wanted to reconcile. She said, please get this woman out of your life. Don't have her in our house. So where did this come from? From the tongue. That he closed the door to reconciliation. Because unfortunately, shaitan, where a person is meant to say the truth, their shaitan will make him lie. And there are some truths where the lie is better than the truth. There are some truths where the lie is better than the truth. For example, somebody made a negative remark about another person. Now the truth is he's made a negative remark. That person asked you, what did that person say? To relate that negative remark is the truth. At that time to say, no, he was just saying, mashallah, you're a good person. That lie, that's a lie. But that lie is better than the truth in that occasion. In the hadith, Nabi Islam says, لَيْسَ الْكَذَّابُ الَّذِي يُسْلِحُ بَيْنَ النَّاسِ 
That person is not a liar who makes peace between people. In order to make peace, he's saying the opposite of what the reality is. But now with that tongue, he's making peace. He's raised, getting raised in status in the eyes of Allah. And that same tongue is dividing where he falls. Many problems are simply because of the misuse of this tongue. In anger, a person loses control of the tongue. In happiness also, he loses control of his tongue. Somehow, that is why Umar Salaam, out of 4,000 advices, he's selecting four. And at the top of the list of that four, the first thing is relating to the tongue. That control the tongue. Somehow, when a person is in company or in whatever situation, the tongue, the brake linings just fail, and the brake fluid dries up, and the brake pads all just disappear, there's no more, nothing left, even the skimming doesn't work sometimes. So, all this is because we haven't learned to control the tongue. And a person then, the damage that is done already, damage control also sometimes doesn't work thereafter. Damage is untold. One statement, one wrong statement. Therefore, it says, Jirmuhu Sagheer or Jurmuhu Kabir. That its substance, the size is very small. But the crime it can commit is huge. And the wound that it can inflict, Jirahatu Sinan, Rahal Tayam, Wala Yutam, Madirahal Lisan. The wounds of arrows that can heal because that will hurt the surface. But the wound of the tongue, very difficult. It goes right deep down into the heart. So this is the first thing that he said to his son, that control your tongue. So, so much of good we can do with our tongue. Reciting tasbih, engaging in the dhikr of Allah wa ta'ala, reciting Guru Sharif, reciting istighfar. So there's so much to be done. Making tilawat of the Quran Sharif, speaking good things to people, the hadith Nabi says, Man kana yu'minu billahi wal yawmil akhir, fal yakul khayran awliyasmut. Person who has iman in Allah and the day of judgment. Then what he should do? He should say that which is good. Keep thinking first. The mashayikh, very uh, concise statement. The Mahabasulullah this was his words. Pehle tol, phir bol. First, weigh it, meaning, look at, think about it first. What is going to be the effect of what I'm saying? Or what I want to say? Pehle tol, phir bol. Then say it, then speak it. First, a person needs to think. And there will be testing and challenging situations. Somebody will provoke him, somebody will do something. That's a time to really be under control. Everything is all fine, and everybody is fine. But when there is a situation that provokes one, and at that time is under control. That is a strong person. That is real strength. So this was the first lesson he gave him, the first advice. Then the second thing he said to him, When you're in the homes of people, then look after your gaze. Why the homes of people? Because we are talking about the advices being given to the son of Uthman in that era, in that period of time, where if there was a chance of somebody seeing some woman, it would only be perhaps in that house, outside 
impossible. She would be covered totally if she came out of necessity. And the home would often have been just a two by two. And in that two by two or four by four, whatever, was everything. The whole house was in it. Once Nabi Islam came to the house of Hazrat Fatima the queen of Jannah and with him was Hazrat Imran bin Hussain she was ill, he came to visit her so he first sent in his shawl he said oh my daughter first make parada with this because I've got a stranger with me Hazrat Imran bin Hussain because that was the house, everything was there so first he was sent in his shawl for her to make parada because she didn't have sufficient things to use as parada also that was the house. Now in such a situation, it is possible that if a person doesn't take extra precaution, then by mistake he can end up looking at something he shouldn't look at. But in our zamana and time, there's no uh, issue of anybody's house or anybody's shop. This is anywhere and everywhere, every street and every place, Allah forbid, that the Situation has become such that there is no place that a person can say that he is safe and can be casual and can be unconcerned that he won't get caught up in any fitna. He has to be super cautious everywhere all the time. He has to be super cautious everywhere all the time. Lukmah is saying to his son that look after your gaze. Because this gaze, this sight, this is a super highway to the heart. It's a super highway to the heart. And when the heart gets affected, then a person is, now he's not in control of himself if the heart got affected negatively and wrongly. One person, one of our great Akabir has Mufti Farooq Mirti he was down a few years back when he was down, he comes almost every two years or so, so approximately three, four years ago when he was here, so he was mentioning somewhere in Johannesburg, he met somebody, one youngster, person is like, you can see this person is ill, he's sick. So he happened to just meet him, so he spoke to him and asked him, something is well, so he's saying, ha, he took out his wallet, he took out his wallet and he opened the wallet out and the wallet turned his face away immediately he had the picture of some international tennis player and he said she made me sick she made you sick what do you mean she made you sick he says but ever since I saw her now this is it this is in my heart and this is day and night I'm just living in this she doesn't even know you exist why are you worried about this say well that's got, it's got into my heart this is this is unfortunately the reality of what happens when a person doesn't look after his gaze, doesn't look after his heart, and Allah forbid, Allah forbid, this arrow of shaitan pierces. In the hadith, hadith of Qudsi, Allah Ta'ala says, Nabi Islam relates that Allah Ta'ala says, Al-Nazru sahmum min siham iblis al-masmum That this haram glance, this lustful glance, is a poisonous arrow of shaitan, poisonous arrow. Imagine somebody takes one sip of poison, what happens? And two sips, and then he drinks half a bottle of poison. So it depends how deadly the poison is, that few sips can also be very fatal. 
And here, this is a poisonous arrow of shaitan. And a person is casting one wrong glance, a second, a third, and one after the other, the arrows of shaitan are piercing his heart and leaving its poison there. What happens thereafter? What happens thereafter is one person came to an alim and he said to him that when I'm in sajda also, when I'm in sajda, that same picture is in front of me, that picture of that filth that I'd seen, and I'm making sajda almost on that picture. Allah Ta'ala protect us and save us. How far this can go? And the number of marriages that then break, primarily because of this. The person got caught up in one thing, and then the next, and then the third, because this becomes an addiction. And then Allah forbid, it comes to the point where they are, unfortunately these are things that one doesn't like to discuss in the house of Allah Ta'ala. But for, again, that ibrat, for me, for all of us to take this lesson and to protect ourselves, say, guard ourselves, then the point comes where so many, unfortunately, so many cases, where the wife is saying, how do I handle this now? My husband is sitting on the same bed and is looking at filth in front of me. <laughs> how can I ever stay in this marriage anymore? We started off from, started off from, from just keeping the gaze while looking around, and then that doesn't give a person the same kind of uh, whatever they call it, kick or high. Now he needs something more, and then he needs something more. And then this has an effect on breaking down all barriers of shame within him. So then it comes to this point. First he does it hiding away from people. Then he's not bothered, bothered about who's watching. And eventually it comes to this level. So where it starts off from this eye. Therefore, Allah Ta'ala says in this hadith, hadith Qudsi, Man makhafati, The one who will forsake this haram glance out of my fear, Allah Ta'ala is saying out of my fear, not for anything else, not because of the fear of people, out of my fear, what will be the reward? Abdaltu biha imanan yagitu halawatahu fi qalbi. I will grant him such iman that he will taste its sweetness in his heart. He will taste the sweetness of that Iman in his heart. Some ulama and muhaddisin explain that what this means is that he will get the sweetness of ibadat. That he gave up haram pleasure, Allah Ta'ala gives him halal pleasure. It was a great Allah of his time, great alim, muhaddis, faqih, Hazrat Mawla Fazlai Rahman, Ganj Munada Badi Rahmatullah He used to say, when I make sajda, I feel as if Allah Ta'ala has embraced me. Not in the literal sense, obviously, but that happiness and joy that I feel, he says, I get such a happiness that I feel that I've been actually embraced by some, something. And he used to get such enjoyment out of recitation of the Quran Sharif. He used to be so enthralled with it. And he used to sometimes even say that in Jannah, Allah Ta'ala give me Jannat and if the wolves come to me, I'll tell them, look, if you want to listen to the Quran, shall you sit and listen, otherwise go do your work. Obviously, Jannat is another place. Jannat is a place where there's no amal. But this was his enjoyment in recitation of Quran, shall And in expressing this recitation, he used to say this. In expressing this enjoyment. You see, in Jannat also, I'm enjoying Quran, Sharif so much here. What will be the enjoyment of reciting Quran, Sharif in Jannat? That if the wolves also come to me, I'll tell to them, if you want to listen to the recitation of the Quran, you sit down. 
Otherwise, we do your work. You might think we don't know which world this man is living in, but he knows where he is, what he's enjoying out of that. Where did this come from? This came from completely annihilating his nafs and refraining from everything Allah Ta'ala has forbidden and totally submitting to the command of Allah Ta'ala. And in that there's some mujahada. In restraining that gaze from haram, there's some mujahada. The heart breaks. But in that broken heart which has broken for Allah Ta'ala's pleasure, Allah Ta'ala mends that broken heart with His love. Allah Ta'ala mends that broken heart with the sweetness of Imam. So one is this explanation that he'll get the sweetness of ibadat. Now to recite tasbih will be far more pleasurable and enjoyable to him than other things. To make tilawat of the Quran Sharif is what he would look to, look forward to. Sometimes a person says that in the whole, in, in one night I can read a novel of 350 pages, one night. And every now and then, one night, whole thick novel. How many pages of the Quran Sharif you read? I don't know when last I touched the Quran Sharif. So, because we haven't got the enjoyment of the ibadat of Allah. So then these things come in. So, this is one explanation. But the other explanation that the Sufi Ikram gave, that that is in its place. This is a physical reality. Like a person puts something sweet in his mouth, he feels that sweetness. Sometimes he feels it from head to toe. It's so sweet. Like he feels that physical sweetness. This is a physical experience. The sweetness of Iman in his heart is a physical experience also. Allah Ta'ala blesses that heart with that sweetness. So this guarding of the gaze. Luqman four advices he's giving out of 4,000. Selecting. Top of the list. The cream of the crop. The essence of it all. First thing he's talking about is the tongue. And then the eyes. The eyes will be protected, the heart will be protected. The heart is protected, the person is safe. Because the heart is king. The eyes are not protected, everything is in danger. In the workplace, in offices, in the schools, and universities, and on the streets, and in the bazaars, and in the malls, and wherever else. Everywhere this fitna has become a time of fitna. And therefore, without necessity, a person should avoid being in such places. Without necessity, a person shouldn't even go to such places. And if he has to be going out of sheer necessity, then he has to be very, very careful, looking after his gaze, looking after his heart, and making istighfar on top of that. So that whatever effects have somehow this creep crept in also, that istighfar washes out that. One poet, he gives the effect of the eye, and how it starts off from one gaze and where it finishes off. In one line, he gives the whole story. He says, Nazratun, Fabtisamun, Fasalamun, Fakalamun, Fmoidun, Falikaun. One gaze, Nazratun. So now, when he gazed, the eyes met, then he'll follow with a smile. And then now suddenly he'll remember that you know, Salam is also Sunnah, but make Salam. So all the Muslim brothers he didn't make Salam to. But now suddenly Muslim sister he realized he make Salam. Whereas there is not permissible for him to make Salam to any non-Mahram. So now he's making Salam 
and that salam gets followed by some kalam with some conversation and then there's an appointment and there's a meeting that's how the whole it may be the time span is not in one line but that's a summary of the whole thing but it starts off from the gaze the gaze slipped and everything went and then a person's izzat is gone his marriage is gone people's livelihoods are gone people's what not goes Allah protect us and save us so this was the second advice he gave that when you are in the homes of people and in our zamana wherever you are then the command for us is look after your gaze in the Quran Sharif Allah Ta'ala commands the believers say to the believing men to lower their gazes and protect their chastity the link that if the gaze is protected then a person's chastity will be safe also and in the whole Quran Sharif generally in one gender both the males and females are dressed though in Arabic there is a distinction between the two the female gender has its own address address separately different gender but generally everywhere the male gender everybody is addressed it comes to this command Allah Ta'ala then next ayat separately addresses the believing woman same command separately addressing the Muslim woman say to the believing woman also they must lower their gazes and protect their chastity because this is linked so this is a very very vital thing for the protection of our Iman the protection of Haya the protection of our marriages the protection of everything then the third advice he gave him that وَإِذَا كُنْتَ that when you are eating, then look after your stomach. There's various different angles to this. One is what you eat. What is being eaten is halal, tayyib. Not that a person is traveling somewhere, for example, and anywhere they see the halal sign, because that's good enough. How many places there have been, there was a halal sign person went in, he looked at it, people are buying and going and coming, whatever. So he decided to ask, who's the person, who's the manager, the owner, finally somebody came, non-Muslim, in one remote place somewhere. So he asked the person, what's this sign, what does this sign mean? He says, no, it's a lucky charm. After I put this sign, my business started just increasing. He doesn't even know what it means. He found it somewhere, he saw it somewhere, he says, lucky charm. So it might have been lucky for him, but the unlucky people that were eating think it's halal. And eating something that is not halal, if a person by sheer mistake, he took the precautions, by sheer mistake, he consumed something not halal, he won't be sinful. But it's like a person ate poison by mistake. Poison will do his job, he ate it by mistake, no sin. He didn't know what was in the bottle, he thought it was some, some water or something, and he drank it. It turned out to be poison. He didn't know. He didn't deliberately do it. There's no sin. The poison is poison. Poison will do his job. And what kind of food a person consumes, that is a type of a'mal that comes. Ya ayyuhar rusul, kunu min tayyibati wa amalu saliha. Allah Ta'ala says, Oh messengers of Allah. Messengers of Allah Ta'ala are being addressed. 
as a lesson to their followers that eat from the pure things that Allah has provided and do righteous actions. The Mufassirin explained this is a link. Person will eat pure substances and foods, this will bring pure the blood that will be now formed out of this food. That blood will pass through that heart. Because that blood was nourished by pure food, it will bring pure thoughts in that heart. And the pure thoughts will bring pure actions. And if it is the opposite, it's contaminated with haram, that blood is going to get nourished from haram. And that's going to bring all kinds of evil thoughts. And those evil thoughts are going to bring evil actions. So to look after the stomach, batanak, look after your stomach. And then the second thing of this is that eating, eating wouldn't need. Not eating to the extent of greed. The common statement that is made that sometimes the eye gets bigger than the stomach. The stomach gets full, but the eye never gets full. Whatever person sees, we are generally on a seafood diet. As we had earlier, Mala was talking about a seafood diet. So whatever we see, we eat. So that seafood diet obviously is harmful besides being physically harmful. It is even spiritually harmful. Eating halal food, overeating, is also spiritually harmful. It makes a person spiritually lethargic. And Nabi Islam says that there isn't any vessel that a person fills up and can be bad, which is worse than filling up the stomach. The worst thing to do is fill up the stomach. The worst thing that a person can do in terms of filling up anything is to fill up his stomach to the brim. One person had overeaten, now he is battling, he is suffering. So somebody was there, some doctor was there alongside also. So he saw this person suffering. So he pulled out some two small little tablets from his pocket. And he said, look, have this, I can see you suffering from indigestion now. You have overeaten. So have these two tablets. So he looked at the two tablets and said, if I had that much space, I would have already had eaten on Lukma. <laughs> that too is no more there. I don't even have that space. So this is a very, diff- very harmful thing, physically also, spiritually also. So one is to ensure that that food is halal, it is tayyib. And then the second thing is to eat within a person's need. Then the last thing he said to him, وَإِذَا كُنْتَ فِي that when you are in Salah, then look after your heart. When you are in Salah, then leave everything outside, outside. And you and your Rabb. Say Allahu Akbar, and everything else is gone. The person says Allahu Akbar, it's so to say, so to say, that he's thrown everything else behind him. Now, he's only focusing in one direction. And this salah, this is the most fundamental obligation of deen on every believer. All our five times salah with jama'ah and with khushu and khudu, with that concentration, devotion, to perform the salah with all the etiquettes, with the adab, to perform the salah in a way that Nabi Islam taught how to perform that salah, the sunnah manner, fulfilling all the postures in the correct way, to come to the ulama ikram, and to ask them, please, let me perform the postures, please observe and correct me wherever I'm wrong. 
One person came into the masjid in the time of Rasulullah and he came and performed two rakat salah and then he came and made salam. So Nabi Islam said to him, Irjit fasalli fa innaka lam tusalli. Go and repeat your salah, you have not performed your salah. The person goes, repeats the salah, comes and makes salam again. Nabi Islam tells the same thing to him. Go and repeat your salah, you have not performed your salah. This happens the third time. After the third time, he says to Nabi Sallallahu Ya Rasulullah, you teach me how to perform the salah. So Allah's Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam then teaches him that first you stand up, and this is what you do, this is what you recite, then you make ruku, hatta tatma'inna raki'an, until you are completely at ease in ruku, your body is at rest in ruku, summar fa' hatta tatma'inna qa'iman, then stand up until you have stood up and you are completely at ease. Your body is at rest. This person was a bit hasty in these postures. So therefore Nabi Islam then emphasized that don't perform your salah in haste. Then make sajda calmly. Then sit calmly. Then the next sajda calmly. In this way, Nabi Islam explained the whole salah to him. Can you imagine a person in that zamana, in that era, and he is being told, go and repeat your salah, you didn't perform your salah. What is our condition? How much we are supposed to learn how to perform the salah correctly? So, Luqman Salatu Salam is selecting these four advices out of 4,000. And then, after these four advices he gave him, he said, I'm telling you two more things. Somebody would have said that you thought the fourth one now, you came home. I mean, the two came from. So, Ma'asalaam, he gave this two out of that extra compassion. That there's another two, this is a bonus. Like if somebody's employer tells him that this month I'm going to give you a bonus, giving you 4,000 grand extra. After the 4,000, he says, Well, I'm going to give you two more. He's never going to object, and supposing you from thousands it goes to hundred thousand, or if it makes million, first he's supposed to give four million, I says take two more million. So never object, mashallah, if you make it four more million, two no problem. So, in any case, it's too short. Further advices, what he said was, and in this two also is another two. So, what he said, the first thing was that don't remember your favors to people. And don't forget the favors of people to you. Don't ever remember your favors to people. And don't ever forget people's favors to you. Or rather the other thing he said, don't forget, or don't, re don't remember your favors to people and don't remember people's, people's ill treatment to you. Your favor you did to somebody, you did it for Allah. Allah. You did it for Allah, Allah. You got your reward for it. <coughs> to remember it now, what is the meaning of that? <coughs> you did it for Allah, Allah. So, Allah, Allah is a way of it. Allah, Allah will reward it. He'll grant the barakat of it in dunya also, in akhirat as well. Now, to remember it, this is a kind of miserliness. That a person has done something and he regarded it as very great. Whereas that also, that favor to 
was Allah Ta'ala's favor on him and Allah Ta'ala's favor on you that Allah Ta'ala made you the means of making, passing the favor on to him. One person, he did some good to somebody, so then he said to him, that I am merely the postman. Allah Ta'ala had decreed this for you. But I am grateful to Allah Ta'ala that out of the countless people that Allah Ta'ala could have made the means, Allah Ta'ala chose me to become the postman and give me the reward of it. So I'm merely really delivering the, whatever Allah Ta'ala has decreed for you. No favor of mine to you. But the other side is that the other person has been taught, you be grateful. Allah Ta'ala chose him as the means, you be grateful to the means. So in any case, this was the first part. And the second part, he said, don't remember people's ill-treatment to you. When somebody did something, you made sabr at that time, you got your reward of the sabr. Now forget about it. And if you don't forget about it, who's suffering? Person now, somebody did something, somebody said something, so now keeping it with, so it's like baggage now. I'm carrying one big bag on the head. Because this is a weight. Then somebody else said something, somebody else did something, that's a second bag. And then the third bag, and then a fifth bag. Now who's getting crushed under the weight of all these baggages? And those who said what they said and did what they did, they carry on with life like nothing happened. So who's suffering? So why suffer? Get it off the chest and finish, end of story. It's natural, it's human nature to feel a little bit uncomfortable, to feel some hurt, to feel some pain. But one day has passed, two days have passed, three days have passed, and let it pass. Finish, it's gone. There will be some little feeling sometimes in the heart, but to positively engage the mind at that time, and that feeling will disappear. Positively engage the mind, that this I made sabr for Allah Ta'ala, Allah Ta'ala will reward me for it. And I've forgiven him for Allah Ta'ala also. <clears throat> so this makes one's life very light, makes one's heart very light, and one's life very easy to live. Makes a person feel very easy, and when he keeps carrying all his baggage on him, he's the one suffering under it. Yes, if there's some recoverable right, he's entitled to ask for it in a dignified way, proper way, within the limits of Sharia, by all means. But where there isn't some recoverable rights, then there is only personal suffering out of just keeping this baggage on our head. Then we pass it on, carry on. Allah Ta'ala would reward us to have And then the last thing he said was that don't ever forget Allah and don't ever forget death. Don't ever forget Allah. A person who remembers Allah all the time, he'll be obedient to Allah. Because Allah is watching, Allah is aware. Allah knows the deception of the eye and what the heart conceals. The closed curtains and locked doors can't lock out the knowledge of Allah. Allah Ta'ala is aware of everything. So the person who is conscious of this all the time, Allah Ta'ala is aware, Allah Ta'ala is watching, Allah Ta'ala knows. And Allah Ta'ala can and has full power over me also. In one moment Allah Ta'ala can expose also. <clears throat> Allah Ta'ala protect and save us. So when a person keeps the consciousness of Allah Ta'ala, and this comes by the dhikr of Allah Ta'ala, repeatedly remembering Allah Ta'ala, then this consciousness builds up. 
daily, some tasbihat, at least hundred times istighfar, hundred times durud sharif, and third kalima, and then over and above that, while doing our work, while driving, while walking, every now and again, some zikr, some tasbih, some tilawat of the Quran sharif, bringing and developing this consciousness of Allah then this will bring the obedience of Allah And don't ever forget that a person who remembers that will out of the fear of that, inshallah, stay away from the disobedience of Allah Because that can come at any time. That has taken people away on the bed of zina. Death has taken away people with the haram in their hands. That has taken people Allah forward in very, very difficult circumstances. Person pulled the so-called one-armed bandit, and as he jerked the thing, his roof came off. And he slumped on it. So when a person will be conscious of this, this is what life is about. It can go in one moment. So I don't want to live in a state of sin. I don't want to go in a state of the disobedience of Allah. So the person is conscious of this, inshallah, this will keep him away from the disobedience of Allah. And shaitan and nafs will keep tempting and keep te- distracting at that time, that muraqaba of death, that meditation of death. That a person now is suddenly starts immediately in divine playing in his mind that my death is about to come now. I can already feel Malakul mouth behind me. So how do I want to go? How do I want to leave this dunya? How do I want to meet Allah? And a person stays conscious of death, inshallah, then this will become a barrier between him and self. So these were the advices that Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam gave. The first one was, look after your tongue, then look after your gaze, look after your stomach, and in salah, look after the heart. Then he said, don't ever remember your favors to people, and don't remember people's ill treatment to you. The last thing he mentioned was, don't ever forget Allah and don't ever forget death. Allah Ta'ala grant me also the tawfiq and all of us Amen. for this alhamdulillah all the efforts of deen are for the same purpose to keep this consciousness alive to keep this realization within us that this dunya is a very temporary place we are here now but we are all on a journey and very soon we have to move on so before that we have to prepare for the everlasting life the work of Dawud and Tabligh the Jamaats that come, the local work, to become part of it, the Talim in the Masjid, then the work of Islam and Tasawwuf, inshallah, two weeks' time is the Islam Jalsa in Potchepston, be part of that as well. And all the other good work of Deen that's taking place, we become part of it, develop our hearts and our spiritual selves also, we pass on the benefit to others as well. Allah Ta'ala give us all the tawfiq. اللهم لا نفسي تنام عليك عندك ما أثنيت على نفسك جزا الله عنا نبينا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم بما هو أهله ربنا ظلمنا أنفسنا وإن لم تغفر لنا وترحمنا لنكونن من الخاسرين لا إله إلا الله الحبيب الكريم سبحان الله رب العرش العظيم الحمد لله رب العالمين نسألك موجبات رحمتك وعزاء مغفرتك والغنيمة من كل بر والسلامة من كل إثم اللهم لا تدعنا هم إلا غفرته ولا هم إلا فرجته ولا حاجة هي لك بضم إلا قضيتها ويسرتها 
Ya Arham Ar-Rahimim, Ilahu Alamin, Ya Allah, most merciful, most gracious, most kind, most loving Allah. Ya Allah, forgive us, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, forgive us, Ya Allah, forgive all of you, and minus sins, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, forgive the sins of the day and night, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, forgive what we did deliberately and what we did mistakenly, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, forgive our families, Ya Allah. Forgive our friends and relatives, Ya Allah. Forgive the entire Ummah of Rasulullah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Ya Allah, show your love to the Ummah, Ya Allah. Allah, show your grace and rahmat on your ummah, ya Allah. Allah, remove the suffering of the ummah, ya Allah. Ilahul alamin, ya Allah, guide us to the straight path, ya Allah. Allah, keep us on sirat al-mustaqim, ya Allah. Ilahul alamin, save us from every deviation, ya Allah. Allah, enable us to look after our tongues, our eyes, our stomach, our heart. Ilahul alamin, every limb of ours let it be in your obedience, ya Allah. Allah, save us from your disobedience, ya Allah. Ilahul alamin, ya Allah, save us from all the fitna and fasad, ya Allah. Ilahul alamin, ya Allah. Allah, you grant us the best of dunya and the best of akhirat, ya Allah. Ilahul alamin, ya Allah, all those are sick, if they're shifai, kamila, adila, nusmanila, daima. Allah, remove every case of the illness, ya Allah. Ilahul alamin, those are financial difficulties, remove the difficulties, the afiyat, ya Allah. Barakat in each one's risk, ya Allah. Allah, remove all the hardships, ya Allah. Those who are in debt, ya Allah, make the easy payments of their debts possible, ya Allah. Ilahul alamin, ya Allah, ya Allah, those are any kind of difficulties, ya Allah. You grant afiyat from all difficulties, ya Allah. Remove all the depression, anxiety, and worries, and stress, ya Allah. Ilahul alamin, ya Allah, all those who have passed away, fill their covers with nur, ya Allah. Make their complete maqfirat, ya Allah. Grant them the highest status in the akhirat, ya Allah. Ilahul alamin, in the time of our death, take us with the kalima, la ilaha illallah, Muhammadun Rasulullah. Allah, take us with the iman and kamil, ya Allah. Take us on tawbat and nasuh, ya Allah. Allah, take us at the time that you are pleased with us and we are pleased with you, ya Allah. Allah, make our covers garments of jannah for us, ya Allah. Allah, give us the shafaat of Rasulullah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Allah, give us jannah to fill those who love the iraqni, ya Allah. Ilahul alamin, ya Allah. Allah, all those who are present, ya Allah, you are the knower of each one's heart, ya Allah. You are the knower of each one's cry, ya Allah. Allah, fulfill each one's needs, ya Allah. Allah, fulfill each one's pious aspirations, ya Allah. Remove each one's difficulties and hardships, ya Allah. Ilahul alamin, ya Allah, all the good that Rasulullah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, for. Allah, we also beg you for all the good. Whatever the beast lost and sought refuge from, Allah, you grant us protection as well, Ya Allah. Allah, minna nasalaka min khaydima, sa'alaka min hamdiyuka wa habibuka, Sayyiduna Muhammad, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Wa na'udhu bika min sharri nasta'abaka min hamdiyuka wa habibuka, Sayyiduna Muhammad, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Anta al-musta'an, wa alayka al-balaad, wa la hawla wa la quwata illa billahi al-adhin al-azim. Wa sallallahu ta'ala ala khayri khalqihi, Sayyiduna Muhammad wa alihi wa ashabihi al-maheem. سبحان ربك رب العزة عما يصفون وسلام على المسلمين والحمد لله